Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Realcom Live. Um, I know I probably say it every week, but I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Not only is it going to be interesting, but it's going to be fun because we are going to be talking to two very, very, very talented people. And the theme of this week, as well as next week's show, is going to be the Digital Impact Awards that we've been giving out for 23 years now. And we uh, recognize early on that sometimes in, a, in an individual's career, their organizations don't necessarily recognize everything they're doing. Uh, they may, you know, move at different companies, and and, and their their success is spread out about, you know, across multiple organizations. So we decided in 1999 to start recognizing people for their talents, and we kind of divided our awards into a couple of different categories. You know, a building, you know, the smartest office or, or retail mall or or the, a technology, you know, that was you know, really up and coming. And then we looked at organizations as far as how they use technology, how a real estate company would use organizations. And then at the time, our highest level award was the Digital Impact Award, which got changed to the Julie Devine Digital Impact Award about five years ago after uh, one of our really uh, heartfelt, loved partners, um, Julie Devine, passed away. So this today, we're going to be talking with Alonza Carr, the CTO of Carr Properties, and Denise Taylor, president of Global Technology Solutions for Legends, because both of them received the uh, Julie Devine Digital Impact Award for Realcom this year. So with that, why don't we bring on our guests? And um, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Hello. How are you, folks? Hi, Jim. Good morning, Jim. Always good to see you. And, and I know, you know, we're, you know, we always chat before these and we were joking that, um, you know, how long is today's show going to be? Three hours? <laughs> I started posing some questions and they got deeper and deeper. Um, you know, and, and I know it's easy for people to watch something like this and go, oh, you know, just another face, you know, another, another topic. But we really take a lot of time to choose who we talk to and, and what we talk about. And, you know, certainly, you know, we do have uh, Realcom Live episodes where we talk about a building and what technologies are in it, or we talk about a, organization that you know is using technology to automate a process in the back end but this conversation because we're talking about the digital impact award is about people the person behind the innovation you know the person who chooses the technology to put into the building or into the into the cloud to automate the real estate and and both of you have uh, have won this year right and so it's what we're going to try to do in the next 18 to 20 minutes or so is to get to the heart of what makes you different what makes you tick why what what is the common dna that alan and denise both have you know some might think it's curiosity tenacity persistence stubbornness you know a lot of attributes but um let's let's start with you alan and then denise you can follow up with do you remember the first time that you said i'm not happy with this i don't care what they say this is ridiculous. This building could do better. I think technology is the answer, and I'm going to go for it, even if they tell me I can't. Alon, do you remember the day? The day was there? A yeah. Day? So, 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 there, so there's actually two days. There's, there's. I mean, I don't know the specific day, but I can tell you the event that it actually happened. We're sitting in a management meeting, uh, CEO, COO, CFO, and I came up with a solution of something that we need to do, and they asked me so what is Regency doing about this? Or what is Westfield doing about this? And I said, well, who cares? It doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, they should be asking what we are doing. I don't, 
I don't, I mean, I'm not going to be, I don't want to follow them. I want to be able to do something that I want to, I mean, that is good for us, not necessarily because it's good for them. It's good for us. I want to do something that I think is good for us. So that was the first time that I, you know, my mindset changed that it doesn't really matter what the others well, say. But you, but you, that was also a point where you started to push back against executive leadership. Mm -hmm. That's correct. That's correct. And the second one was walking from the subway station to the office and walking around and looking at the buildings and saying, what else can I get out of you? What else can I get out of you that I can? I mean, I, we, we own the building. We lease the building. We try to do best customer service possible. What else can you give me? What else can you talk to me and tell me that you need or you feel or you can do for me to be better at what I'm doing? And that was sort of like my second my second mind shift with regards to looking at my building almost as a human and not necessarily just as a structure. And, and at that point, accounting systems were not the focus. And at that point, now they were tools, don't get me wrong, yes. but yes. the thermostat in the building was not the issue anymore. Correct. It was it was a holistic approach to the business that says, here's yes. how we do it today. But yep. with my toolkit of technology, here's how we can do yep. it tomorrow. At that point, you need to be on a maturity level. You need to be at a specific level where the back of the office is running that you don't have to worry about it. So if you know if, if your Amen. back of the office is, is is set and ready, and there's so many tools and so many outsourcing and so many capabilities today to be able to bring that to to, to mind to peace very quickly, so you can really focus on the business. I remember when uh, in, in my journey, when the CEO called me about an email problem, I said, "Don't call me." <laughs> I was joking because it was my yeah. responsibility, but yep. I said, please don't call me. <laughs> yeah, I got called on a cruise. I, I was on a cruise with my kids one day and I, I might see you asking me to take a satellite phone with me just in case. And I got a call on the satellite phone saying, listen, the email system is down. And I called my guys and I said, why am I getting this phone call? And they said, well, we've been in the server room for the last 24 hours trying to resolve it. I go, do you guys think that maybe somebody should go out and say, listen, we're taking care of the problem. Please don't call Elon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Denise, what was your epiphany? I think my epiphany was in my early, early years with a sports entertainment company. And we were challenged with this home experience. So we were building large venues around the world, right? And we were really challenged with this home experience. Suddenly, you know, you had these really rich screens at home and everything else. And, uh, you know, we would talk about this in the boardroom and executive room. And I realized I, we're about building three new venues, different parts of the globe, and we're building it the exact same way. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. We, we're, we're sitting here saying we're losing our audience. You can't just build it. They will come. That mentality doesn't work anymore. But we're going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars, damn near a billion, and we're not changing anything. So it was really me saying, you know what? I think we should be really talking about how we're creating, building these new venues, these new spaces with the fans and the consumers in mind, with what what's going to bring them out other than just the event. Why would they want to be here? What's going to capture them? What's going to get them to come off of their couch from this great home experience and get them to keep coming back out? And so this well, was Definitely, uh, definitely an eye-opening moment, and I rem very distinctly remember the first construction meeting I went into and brought that brilliant idea in my head to a room of people who were like, you know. Well, and, and I hope those stadium builders are thinking about what metaverse is going to bring to this equation. Yes, I, I, yeah. I, hope, I hope that's the learning lesson of all of this is that you have to keep an eye to what the consumers are doing. I, I, I tell this story often. 
You know, I spent a number of years in the NBC Universal Music family when we first started downloading music. What did we do? We fought it in the courts. Right. That's yes. not the approach here. You have to yeah. actually follow what the consumer well, and how they want to consume your content. Well, well and to, to play on what Ilan said about what they said, what's Westfield doing, what are these other competitors doing? I actually was in that similar situation and I, I was in a broker's company and, and I got, you know, asked about what CBRE and, and what, um, you know, Cushman or the other guys, uh, you know, uh, were doing. And I said, that's not who we're looking, I'm looking at. And, and today, what I would say is, yeah, we're going to watch what the other real estate companies are doing, but I'm also watching Amazon. I'm watching Microsoft. I'm watching Facebook because they're going to be keep be compete, continue to compete for experiences up in the cloud and now in this virtual metaverse universe kind of thing. And I don't know if you guys have seen the Wall Street Journal last couple of days, but they're selling real estate on, in the metaverse. I mean, they're selling. I don't even know what that means yet. Like, what do you buy, like Arizona in the metaverse or do you buy, do you buy a stadium in the metaverse so you can put on your 3D? Yeah, I don't know, Denise, if you're involved with that yet, but we're we're getting there. I, I I've been I've been talking about it a lot because the reality of it is is that you know in this metaverse, it's just you have virtual ownership, whether it be mm -hmm. you're owning, you know, we've seen it with NFTs, and you're owning art, you're owning memorabilia. Why wouldn't you own real estate? And then you own that experience. You own the museum. You, you own the museum where where oh. the the painting hangs. Where, exactly. Where, yeah. Where, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, just real quick, my my epiphany was uh, I just got out of the tech industry, got into the real estate industry because I felt they were pretty behind and I could use some of my skills. I'm, I'm selling apartments. My boss hands me the apartment guide. He says, just start calling people and I'll see you in six months. <laughs> Call number one was the ABC. Uh, you know, I said, you want to buy, you want to sell? He said, no. I got down the EFG partnership. You want to buy, you want to sell? He goes, Jim, you just called me. And I said, oh, no, I didn't. He goes, yeah, I'm ABC partnership. And he quickly schooled me on how you know, partnerships have multiple assets and, and, and then I, I hung up the phone i go i'm never doing that again that was embarrassing sat down i said what's the common denominator of all the partnerships mailing address went to the county recorder downloaded seven thousand records the next day i called i said hey bob i see you got 42 assets the last 40 of them have been in north county but your last two purchases have been in downtown are you moving your portfolio and he goes who are you and how did you find out so much <laughs> That was my epiphany. I said, this industry is so far behind that you can do just yep. little things right. and 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 uh -huh. make big differences. So I'm I can tell by your smiles that you fully understand what I'm saying. Um have you maintained your motivation and your passion throughout your career? A lot of ups and downs. We all have them, but uh -huh. you know, I mean, our industry is pretty stubborn, as you both know. Um, how I guess the question is, how do you maintain your your enthusiasm and your motivation in an industry that sometimes doesn't want to listen. For, Denise, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'll jump yeah. In. For me, to be honest with you, my motivation and passion actually just continues to grow. It, it hasn't fallen off at all. And I think my big focus is I, I just live for the thought that we're creating experiences for people, all people, all stakeholders, whether it be a guest, a fan, a consumer, the employee, brands, retail tenants, and to me, I always remember, you, you know, you don't know if that's their first experience, their last experience, the experience they're taking their, their grandchild to, some memory for them. And to me, that just creates excitement. And it, 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 it's that it, the passions around tech, what we can do with tech in really allowing people who maybe haven't been able to have these experiences before, enabling others who don't have the privilege or normally get to have access to things. Exactly. It's so right at our fingertips. And so I'm really driven about that and trying to just 
use this fantastic platform to uh, create great experiences for all the different uh, constituents. Yeah, you know, it's funny you keep using the word experience, experience, and, that, and I've been at, at the last couple of Realcoms, you know, our hybrid in Denver and this year, that's why we built the studio because we wanted to start experimenting with all that stuff. And, and the industry, I don't think is fully in, understand yet that when I go to an office, I want an experience. When I go to a, a, a mall, I want an experience. Mm -hmm. And if you don't use technology in your tool bag, you're you're missing the biggest opportunity. Completely agree. Completely agree. Ilan, how about you? So, you know, I always say that, you know, um, our job is 80% marketing and 20% technology because, you know, we always find the solutions that are there. But at the beginning, we would look for this cool technology and then we would, we would go create the problem in the company in order to be able to use this cool technology. It was the mindset or the shift in mindset that actually said, um, if I can talk in the business language, meaning understanding the business, so that's that's the biggest problem from somebody coming out of the industry into this into this business right now. That they to sell something, they need to be able to talk the language, and be able to convince and market it to the people that that you're working with. So if you can find the greatest tool, and always be a fun, I, I go. I go sit in meetings once in a while. I go, do you guys mind if I sit in the meeting? I just be a fly on the wall and just listen to them, right? And then be able to look at new solutions and new technologies that are out there and come back and say, listen, this is what you guys are talking about. This is your problem or it's taking you eight weeks. We can minimize it down to two weeks or we can give you more insights. All of a sudden now, so this excites me because in one way I'm feeling like I'm contributing to the business. And at the same time, I always get, I also get to play with the news, with the new stuff that is out there. Yeah, I just, I mean, we are recording this and I'm going to have um, uh, Ian after the fact, take that last 30 to 45 second clip. We're going to send it to every startup in <laughs> our industry because there is no better advice listen but understand the business your your 20 2080 rule technology is 20% of the problem issue 80% mm -hmm. is understanding listening and communicating mm -hmm. and why is that so hard i mean we've been doing events for 23 years and i've seen the best technology in the world and then i see everybody hit the wall when that that number one they don't recognize that their job especially in it you know related fields is about business it's I see still too much focus on technology. Why are we having so much trouble understanding the business ownership side of it? It's because IT or it's, first of all, it's called IT, big mm -hmm. T, small I, when in reality, it's supposed to be information technology, big I, small T. Mm -hmm. And at that point, if you understand the value of that and how it really works, then it would be, then I think that the mindset of the people that we work with will be different. But also, it, it's it's difficult. It's difficult because when when we started, and I'm sure Denise is the same thing. When we started, the technology piece was very prominent. You know, we, we had to deal with a lot of things, a lot of hardware, a lot of software stuff that we needed to deal with, which today we don't need to deal with anymore. Exactly. The problem is that the people that we're with, we work for today, which are our age or older in some cases we have to make that shift for them. We have to really explain that to them for them to understand where, where, where the balance all shifted. Yeah. I, I think we should start a university called the business of technology. I have actually tried Jim in my last two roles was going to call my division, the business of technology. Cause it's, about, really? <laughs> I actually am for, I'm, I'm really pretty firmly convinced that, um, 
I'm not sure the IT department needs to exist. I think the, the technology group actually needs to be embedded in the business, in the business. not a separate entity. There's a whole model logistics around that. But in, in theory, I've always said the, the tech folks should be a part of the business. It's the only way you know how to deliver the right products. And well, so Mike, you know, my quick, quick litmus test is I've, I get multiple calls. Jim, I'm struggling. The organization isn't moving so fast. My first litmus test, I go to their website. I look at executive leadership team. And if you're not listed, you're, you mm -hmm. better. I literally told somebody six weeks ago, quit. You're not going to make a difference. I'll save you two years of frustration. Quit. And, that, and that's actually a good lead into our next conversation. But we're going to take a quick break here from one of our sponsors. And uh, we'll be right back with Denise and uh, Alonzo. All right. Let's get back to our conversation. Um, as you can see, we're going to run out of time quickly. Bring back Galan and Denise. Yeah, so I'll see if we can get us another two hours on this call or on this uh, program. So um, let's talk about uh, recognizing people. And I know we don't necessarily want to, let's not talk about the fact that you guys got the award, uh, the Digital Impact Award, but let's talk about awards in general. A lot of times people in the technology field are cast to the side, they're not front and center, in, integrated into the business unit. And sometimes organizations, people, peers, don't really recognize. So we've been doing it for 23 years. Alon, why is it important for us to take a breather once a year and really give some thought to who's pushing the envelope and recognize those people? Why is that important? I think that what that does, it gives recognition to what, what we're doing. Because, you know, my mindset at least, you know, I, I used to be in the Israeli military and I had a, a very old, um, experienced sergeant in the military. He was 30 years and I was two years in the military. Wow. And one of, one of the, the doctor from the infirmary once came and told me, says, listen, you're superior, you're, you're an officer, you're higher rank than him. You have good ideas, you know, very innovative ideas that you're bringing into, into the, into the business. The problem is that you have to explain to him and he has to buy into it. So I very quickly learned that if he comes up with the idea and he actually introduces it and he gets the credit, then it will actually get done. But you know what, at the end, at the end of the day, what I cared was that it will get done. Well, get done. Yeah. So if you think about it this way, the award is just a recognition that eventually somebody really understands where right. it came from and who was responsible for it, but not necessarily, right. you know, we want it. We want to get it done. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm pretty proud of the fact that as, as I look at the awards over the last 23 years, our hit rate's about 80%. I mean, you know, people like Andy Florence, co-star, Dennis DeAndre LoopNet, who co-star bought, uh, Google Earth in 2001. If you Google Google Earth, the announcement date for Google Earth on, on the little uh, pendulum or platinum, the, what do they call them, those little... Um, Anyways, I, when you do a search for Google Earth, it comes up June 1st, 2001 or June 11th. And that was Realcom, right? And so mm -hmm. we, so when I look back at these awards and, and, and you, it, you have to give it some careful thought, but I think once you do that, people need to say, this isn't just an award that they're throwing at them. These are legit people and they should want to listen to what they're saying. Denise, how about you? How, why is it important? Oh, I think it's important for a couple of fronts. I mean, just as with any other, like you, you generally reward, you know, your top salespeople, your top people putting out uh, marketing initiatives. What were the what were the largest marketing initiatives that got the the most traction? Right. This is recognizing that technology and digital expertise is actually driving the business, and it's allowing you to reach your goals, whether they're financial, revenue, clients, uh, any of the above. And so. 
that to me really says, hey, we are the business. Technology is really enabling this and, and we have to be recognized for it. I think it's very, very important. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I tell you, when we added the Lifetime Achievement Award criteria, 20 years in the business, knockdown, kickdown, which is now the highest level award. Uh, and in 2020, we caught up and nominated or gave the award to 20 people and now we give one a year. When I look at that list, I mean, I see the Scott Morris, I see the Wayne Pryors, I see the Harry Gunnar Singhams from Singapore, mm -hmm. the Don Goldsteins, the Maureen Ehrenbergs. These are just people who I've known for 20, 25 years who have not stopped. They get slammed down, they get you know kicked around, and somehow they just keep coming back up and making a difference. You know? All right, two more quick questions and we have a few minutes. Uh, scale of one to 10, you're busy. But how important is it for you to share what your great work with other people? One to ten. Alon? Eleven. Denise? Fifteen. Hey, okay. Hey, so, okay. Hold on. But wait a minute. You're real estate's competitive. I want my mall to be better than yours, my state to be better than yours. My why would you go and give your secrets to your competitors? It's not a secret. It's actually what's going to drive our industry and what's going to make us successful to keep meeting what the consumers and all of the constituents want. There's now I'm not saying you go out and share, share your proprietary type of uh, knowledge. I'm saying you share how we have to evolve our industry. We don't want to see our industry fall so much that suddenly, you know, we were up against this Amazon effect for so long within the malls, right? That's not going to do me any good if I had only changed it for my time at Westfield. It's really getting right. the whole industry to stay very, very relevant. Yep. At the, yep. At the same time, at the same time, um, you know, I, I can look at what Denise is doing and wait, right? Or Denise can actually talk to me and say, "Listen, Elon, we really want to try something out. You you have sixteen buildings that you can really probably pilot this on on all of your buildings. Let's work together." Yes. Right. So now I can actually benefit from that level of technology in, 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 in my in my environment, good or bad. I may use it. I may not ever able to use it, but sharing, but understanding and sharing. I mean, Denise can throw more money at a project that I am doing and, 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 right. and be there, be there very quickly. But if I share my knowledge together with her and she shares the knowledge with her, then we're collaborating and we're working together. Uh, and that's what really helps. Well, typically this attitude is found in very mature leaders who realize that a rising tide carries all boats and that and that if you work together you'll minimize your failure and and everyone will be able to run faster if you're not doing the same thing and hiding what you're doing right mm -hmm. and so I, I i just shout out to the real calm ib concord tech communities we have the biggest group of sharers on the planet i mean they're doing the best work most innovative work in the first and they're therefore very busy people but they're the first to say yeah i'd love to come on do a webinar or do a realcom live speak at a, a conference session so uh, a shout out to our whole community for being just like the two of you. Very, very willing to share. So final question, um, 30 seconds. Elon, what do you tell your 25-year-old peer who's, you see the passion, the fire in their eyes, but they're in the beginning part of their career. And I want to grow up and be just like Elon. What do you tell them? Be uncomfortable. Um, don't do only the things that you like doing and be open. So the, the problem is that we fall into something, we like something to do, and then we stick to it. But then that, that blocks us from being able to open up and, and look, at, at, look at a lot of other things. So I wanna be uncomfortable all the time. So that way I'm actually working and, and trying to learn new things. 
Boy, I'll tell you, 2021 pandemic, trying to put on a conference, decided to do a hybrid, 40 people from 2,500 in Nashville to 40 people in Denver, need to build a studio, never did that. 7.59 in the morning, one minute before we started, had no idea if it was gonna work. Set a prayer, click the button, it did. It was one of the most painful years, but I would say it's probably one of the most rewarding years in my entire career. Man, because it was, and I didn't, I didn't choose the pain. I was, we were all forced to pain, mm -hmm. but right. Why not be uncomfortable and embrace it and see what yeah. see what happens. Very good advice, uh, Denise. For sure, completely agree with Alon on the being uncomfortable. Um, I'd also say. Technology is the cornerstone of pretty much every business industry segment. Be a business person first with a subject matter expertise in technology. You, you, you really you know, keep your eye to what's happening across the business world in different sectors. I follow the finance world a lot. I'm blown away of how amazingly fast this very historic finance world of ours today is that most people don't ever even go into a bank again. Most million dollar transactions are done digitally, right? Um, look how fast they evolve that world. And that's just how I've kind of led my, my life is look at what's happening in business. Technology will enable you to really go across all different verticals. My, my advice to that person would be as much as we have it in our hands and as much as we think it's the only way to live, 140 characters needs to be put to the side swipe right needs to be put to the side add needs to be tempered people need to spend 22 minutes and watch and listen to the two of you because the advice that that 25 year old got in the last 20 minutes is insane thank you thank you thank Jim. you no no thank you i mean seriously just dissect every word that the two of you said and your career will be enriched so thank you so much uh, Thank I'm you sure very I'm much for having you. Us. I'm, I'm going to be seeing you soon. Be well. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thank Take you. care. All right. I told you 20 minutes, 22 minutes, whatever is not enough. Um, we are going to um, bring on Howard Berger, and Howard is going to do his wonderful job of telling us what the heck is going on in real estate technology this week and give us uh, a little bit highlight of the news. Oh, well, hey, thank you, Jim. Hey, and, and thank you, Denise and Alon, for your. I, I, I'm great. just so proud and honored uh you know to to work with you both thank you for your thought leadership all of your efforts uh an incredible 20-minute conversation everybody yeah. should listen to it everybody should and, to it. And, and just the desire and their efforts to educate the community um and and, and thank you jim great show yeah all so, right get out of your way uh, yeah so we're just coming off a week of real com planning meetings and i'm actually broadcasting live from my hotel room in carlsbad california uh had, had actually had a great week um so I'm going to highlight just a couple of the news items from our weekly news briefing. It's released every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific. And I'll go right into it. So our lead story this week comes from Don Goldstein. I think a lot of you know him, President CISO at 5Q. And his title, the title says it all, quantifying cyber risk. How much can a security breach really cost you? Uh, in the past year, we've seen some of the nastiest OT cyber breaches to date and building owners and operators prime targets. Um, there was a recent survey, of more than 400 properties, and it was discovered that there are six common vulnerabilities in OT networks that offer really fertile ground for hackers. And that is flat networks, remote access, shared logins, patching, unmanaged switches, and multi-factor authentication. So for a second, just put yourself in the shoes of a company that's just been breached. Have you ever thought of how much an attack would actually cost your business in terms of lost time, productivity, business reputation, and hard dollars. Uh, so 
In this article, Don explores how to quantify that risk in a number of common cyber attack scenarios. So, and this is, and, and then he goes into how to take the necessary steps to mitigate this risk. Important, important article, please, please read. Uh, next, I wanna shout out to this week's tech partner of Copy. Uh, Maya's article explores the challenge of transforming raw data into actionable uh, insights. So AI and machine learning, they've really opened up the opportunity to process and analyze data faster than ever. And here's a data point. Uh, in 2020, estimated 9.57 zettabytes, that's 9.57 trillion gigabytes of information are processed every single day. And that's the same as 12 gig, uh, gigabytes of information every day for each of the 7.9 billion humans on Earth. And the obvious problem is that we're totally overwhelmed with data. But as technologists, we know that in those mountains of data, there is gold, but we need help digging it out. So. I would encourage you to dive into this read, see how Okapi AI and machine learning engine does exactly that for real estate assets and portfolio managers. Uh, so thank you, Okapi. Um, also, uh, you'll get a kick out of this, um, a really stupid smart contract bug, uh, let hackers steal 31 million in digital coin. So blockchain, chart, uh, blockchain startup, Mono X Finance, they said on Wednesday that a hacker stole 31 million by exploiting a bug in software that services used to draft smart contracts. It was an accounting error was built into the company's software that let an attacker inflate the price of the mono token and then use it to steal users funds and allowed the criminals to launder proceeds of the ransomware and fraud. Uh, and a, a report by Elliptic stated, uh, this is part of a broader trend in the exploitation of decentralized technologies for illicit purposes, which Elliptic defers, uh, refers to as decrime. The company says it's contacted the hacker in an attempt to recover the funds. We say good luck with that. Uh, finally, uh, workers have quit in unprecedented numbers over the last few months. Recent reports say at least 8.4 million unemployed Americans at the moment, while there's simultaneously 10 million job openings. While the reasons for quitting have been widely documented, the question is, what are these people doing, um, uh, those folks who have quit their jobs? And the data is scarce. Uh, very scarce, but it looks like some are going to boomerang back to old employers, many requesting more flexible hybrid work schedules. But what about the others? So it, it, nearly half of millennials and Gen, Gen Z workers are now freelancing, and they are the biggest drivers of the Great Resignation. So what are they doing now? Um, the sparse data indicates that some of them have found work, some are looking for work, some are freelancing, uh, they've begun freelancing, some are educating themselves to acquire new skills for better work, and some are just doing nothing. Uh, so um, we'll more, more on that as it evolves. Um, so I, I'm way out of time. That's it for me today. So check our weekly briefing and I will see you all next week. Have a great weekend. Yeah, and Howard, um, on that great resignation, I mean, the question, the second question after is, you know, who are they or third, who are they, what are they doing? But the third question is, what's the impact to physical space? We built a, a built environment over the last 50 years based on getting in cars and going places to work, to play, to shop. And is this great resignation going to significantly alter the trajectory of the traditional work environment? And all those office buildings and all those owners that, that, and, and corporates that come to our Realcom, IBCon, and Cortec events. That's I think this is a $4 million question. Yep. Huge question. Yep, yep. We'll you, keep... you, office space utilization, the number one question in my mind right now. Yeah. Yep. We'll have to keep an eye on that and watch it evolve. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, you have a great weekend. All right. Uh, before we wrap the show and talk about next week, let's hear from our final sponsor, and we will be right back. 
All right. Um, so a great episode. You you heard from serious thought leaders today. Not only are they smart, ambitious, innovative, hardworking, but they're willing to share. And if you if you like this episode, please tweet it out, send it to your friends, send it to your peers. I've been around this industry a long time and the wisdom that they expressed uh, was incredible. Absolutely incredible. So next week's show, uh, we're going to continue on the theme of Digi Awards, awarding people in the real estate technology industry. What does it mean? And we've got two more winners, Digital Impact, Julie Devine, Digital Impact on the IBCon side, Kathy Farrington from Google and Clay Altrich, uh, Clayton Altrich from Heinz. And if we can get Mark uh, Peacock to join us, who was supposed to be with us today, but is uh, plane delayed uh, up in the air right now, hopefully we can get Mark on as well. So with that, I'd like to say thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. And with that, have a great weekend. Be well.